Wow. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good question. I was just wondering the same thing. For anybody who hasn't met Amy in person or who has not done anything with her as a, as a teacher or anything, I will say this about her. She's punctual. She said, we're going to start today at three o'clock and right at three o'clock, I looked at my phone and (laughs) I got my invitation. The recording. So good on you. Good on you for being slightly predictable. It's the one Virgo trait that I have. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I should say the one Virgo trait that I feel like I um, do well. It's so funny. There are, I have Mm -hmm. to drive away from (laughs) my house today and I just parked in like the closest parking lot. Um, thinking like, oh, mm-hmm. nobody's going to bother me here. And I've had multiple people walk by now looking in the car like, why are you parked here? <laughs> what is going on? What are you doing in there? Oh, you're just talking on the phone, huh? I guess that's social distancing. Silly people. I guess I can silently judge you from out here. You'll never know. <laughs> well, I am kind of excited that they've all not been wearing masks. You know, some people are like, that's yeah. responsible. And honestly, if you are a healthy individual, if you are not at risk, if you have not been exposed, if you've been in your house for the past two weeks straight, there's like nothing wrong with walking around without a mask and being outside of your house. There, it's mm-hmm. we're not uh, we're not quarantining healthy people. That's that's actually house arrest. Yeah, that's. <laughs> That's a police state, is what that is. <laughs> That's a totalitarian government of George Orwell nature. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've gone out to the grocery stores, and sometimes I wear my mask or my bandana or whatever. Or like yesterday, I went and I wore my uh, rainbow elephant scarf, so I felt like very dapper. You know, felt like I was in my place. Part of the problem for me, though, is because I am the person that freaks everybody out because I love going to the grocery store. So I'll go to natural grocers and stand in the produce section and either talk to the people who are working there or talk to somebody on the phone. And so I'm the crazy guy standing next to the potatoes, you know, ranting about magic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. So I understand how that could make some people uncomfortable. Yeah. All right. Uh, so um, what episode are we on? We're episode nine? nine. Yeah, that's a magic number. It is. It's one of my favorite numbers. It's a magic number. <laughs> By all the powers of three times three. Mhm. I want to get into Sorry. I want to get into that um mentality like I discuss it with you on another episode of um so mode it be and uh and it harm none do as thou wilt and like how some traditions of magic abide by that and other ones are like just do whatever you want. <laughs> Cuz if you're, yeah. if you're doing stuff that's in line with your soul anyway, then you're not going to mess anything up anyhow. Um, so it doesn't matter if, <laughs> like, what, as long as, honestly, if your intention is not, and it harm none do as thou wilt, then, then something's wrong with you. Well, yeah, I mean, but that's also, hopefully that's not how you're ending every uh, either opening, closing, or casting, or whatever you're doing, like, like amen is the same as uh, so mode it be right? right. Like amen is like my will be done or thy will be done, which is how it kind of got shifted in at least the uh, 
like the more recent uh, religions, so that you're putting it on somebody else, right? Even you're sa- you're even being saved, it's on God. This is completely on, this is completely God's fault. God, why would you let shit happen to me? It's your fault. <laughs> you're God, okay? <laughs> Take some responsibility and and be the God that you know you're supposed to be or goddess. Um, it's such a but yeah, I mean, mentality. it's weird. It's such a state of living in your victimhood in that way. If you don't accept the fact that you you must save yourself. Well, I you know I started thinking about this. Uh, right as I was getting ready to call you, I was like, I really kind of want to talk about spiritual abuse uh, because I know that you've had to deal with it. And I don't know necessarily how, how personal we want to get when it comes to that type of thing. But like, I know that's for a lot of people, that's how they find the path of magic because religion feels so uh, claustrophobic and constricting for them. And magic is literally the, like the using the stuff as opposed to looking to somebody else to have the answers for you. Right. It's like, right. we had talked about this earlier. Well, and we'll get to it, what prayer meditation and magic actually are. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, some people I think have an idea from a young age that, that religion is supposed to be something else. I, I have always felt that way when I was a kid. I remember, like, I know we've talked about it before. It's just kind of like, why aren't we reading other books or like this, these stories are great, but you're just kind of like skimming the surface of what it is that this stuff is talking about. And as a child, again, we know now that kids are a lot more aligned with their soul purpose. They're, they're a lot more aware of their past lives. As a kid, I remember being like, this is bullshit, man. Like this just, it doesn't seem right. And, you know, the older you get, you're kind of like, all right, well, you either go the atheist route where you're kind of like, that stuff is not for me, or you're still inquisitive enough where that stuff hasn't been completely beaten out of you. And you're not terrified to actually explore um, the possibility of other truths that you, you fall down the rabbit hole, like, like you and I have. And you can go through all of those processes. Right. You can right. buy into the religion for a while and then you know, figure out what is your truth. And that's what we were talking about last episode. Last episode, we were talking about finding your own truth, finding your own soul connection, because ultimately, if you don't have a super strong connection to your highest self, to your soul's truth and your soul's voice, you aren't going to be able to do anything effectually because Mm -hmm. it's, it's so easy to take, advantage of a human being who hands over their power from the other side because you you see all these beings are asking for help and you're like mm-hmm. oh i am a magical etherical thing that they can't tangibly see feel or <laughs> touch and they're gonna trust me because i'm not i'm outside of them because um, so many humans are used to turning over their power so the second you take that power back and you find your own truth, mm-hmm. then you can step into a much more efficient system of of working with the energies in the world and working for your soul's purpose as opposed to letting something else and its agenda be worked through. It is so funny how parallel your thinking and my thinking are i don't know if this is because we were talking about this and we it's like we kind of knew what the theme was going to be today but it's also i was thinking um you know the whole idea of demons or all these other things that are coming in they're trying to like leech off of you like literally if you don't do something with your energy somebody else is going to figure out a way to do something with it right like as as being an incarnate uh human like having a soul and a body, you're able to do all of this stuff that you are empowered to do. If again, if you're, if you're uh, curious enough to try to like figure out what it is that you're capable of doing, the connections that you're able to make with 
uh, elemental spirits, of animal spirits, of gods, goddesses, or you know, guardian angels, whatever it is, how, whatever you decide to work with. Um, and if you don't, something else is going to figure out a way to sap off of your energy. That's what society is built off of, mm-hmm. right? Like we're, we're at the point right now where everybody else is working to put money in the pocket of, you know, two or one or two or 3% of the humans on this planet. So um, I always kind of like, we always talk about movies, but I kind of equate this to the, the whole um, thing in office space where he was like, you know, you put the decimal point in the wrong place, you know, like he was supposed to be taking fractions of a penny when they had put the, the worm in the computer code so that they could start collecting money. When they checked the bank account, there was like $300,000 that was missing. And it was like they put the decimal point in the wrong place. And it seems like humanity is starting to realize the decimal point's in the wrong spot. The amount that we are putting out to give to other people is so unbalanced and so unfair, which is why having a spiritual and a magical practice is so incredibly important. Like, I yeah. feel like it's one of the most important things that we can do. Like, take care of your body and take care of your, take care of your, your soul, you know, well, it, it and your mind. Well, it becomes like, um, when they say like the personal is political, the spiritual is political too. The second that you step into taking back your power, you start to realize about all these systems that are in place and all these patterns that are in place that keep people powerless. They keep people feeling like they have to wear masks and they have to do these mm-hmm. things and they have to stay at home and they can't go out. And they like, there's all this fear that is controlling the majority of the population and it's coming through all of the places where they think they can trust it. Um, but right. there's so many layers and levels to where those messages are coming from that it can be really daunting trying to figure out what exactly to do with yourself in order to remove yourself from that control system and to uh, essentially empower others along the way without forcing them to come around to your side. Cause that's, that's proselytizing. That's evangelizing. And we don't want to do that either. Um, right. Yeah. There's power in numbers, but there's also power in individuality. And that's, <laughs> again, that's something that I've realized when it comes to how I've had an impact on people. Um, there's a lot of times when you have friends that they like you because of who you are. And then the more time you spend with them, they're kind of like, they're like, well, we're going to go do this and we're going to go do that. And then you, if you don't do that, if you don't do the thing that they're doing, then they feel like you're, you're either growing too far away, you know, away from them. This happens in relationships a lot of times too. Like people really like who their partner is. And then when their partner either continues being themselves or continues to grow in the direction that they were going, when they first met, then it's like, oh my gosh, this is scary. You're not the same person that you were when I first met you or that kind of, you know, it's this whole like loss of control thing. And that can, it can be terrifying for other people, but it's also like, what, how else are you supposed to interact with somebody? You know, you have to continue to grow, like having somebody like stuck into a little box of an idea of what you think they're going to be. They're going to stop surprising you. You're going to be burnout on the relationship. You're not going to continue to grow. You know, you have to be challenged. And we this we're going to get into this also with the the idea of the pillar of severity and the pillar of of mercy with Kabbalism. Like it's not a judgment. It's not like if somebody is strict, they're a bad person. 
literally somebody has to put shit in order. Somebody has to be the one who says, these are the boundaries. And then you have to have somebody that says, or an energy in yourself that says, I can push this a little bit further. Let's, you know, let them play a little bit longer, you know, use all of the colors in the crayon box. It might not look great, but you know, you'll never know until you try. And then some people are like, well, we're just going to do a a monochromatic thing. So it's just going to be kind of grayscale, you know, like there's beauty in both aspects of it. So there's no judgment in it at all. It's just, again, the ego gets in the way. And that's one of the things that as a human being, we struggle with. And that's something that as we're going to talk about, (laughs) um, that these energies that we're going to be, that you have the option or the opportunity to work with, they don't have the ego. They are just the pure idea of, you know, whatever that theme is, whatever that archetype is. Mm -hmm. I think there's, um, yeah, two things from that. The first one is, we all have a role to play, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody in the universe has a role to play because we're all telling a story and some beings have agreed to a role that's more difficult than others. And uh, a lot of people encounter this in past lives. They want to know about the past lives that were like really fun or really exciting or really cool. And there's a lot of past lives that are really sucky and really painful and where you were the bad person or like um, you were the one doing the cursing. (laughs) And so it's, it's tough because as egos we don't want to see those um Mm -hmm. but as souls we had to go through them because we had to be a part of the story and saturn gets a bad rap a lot uh as a planet compared to like jupiter uh for what the way that their energies work but honestly um who teaches us the biggest lessons (laughs) and so like being able to recognize it's chronos yeah but then there's also the the change aspect that you brought up and there's certain deities who that's their job is to make sure that we don't stagnate to make sure that we Mm -hmm. don't keep on keeping on to the point that it just becomes boring and that we make room for new things to be born new systems to be invented new healthy competition yeah new ways of existing in the planet and um it's so crucial too. at the same time. And this is the second point, And I'm so glad that my brain just remembered it. <laughs> <laughs> you have to learn the rules before you break them. Mm-hmm. If you just start breaking all the rules, you're going to end up with a lot of messy pieces. Like you said, the, the, the crayons and the crayon box can all be used, but it, it's going to look uh, pretty unintelligible. And it's going to be hard to navigate if you mm-hmm. just, just start going crazy whereas if you learn like okay this is the color wheel these are the basic concepts this is what it's like if you use these are complementary right this is what it's like if you do lines versus squares versus dots versus circles and you you learn all the tools and then you can you know go jackson pollock on it intentionally (laughs) but it's it you i think it's so crucial to at least learn one system and and for people who were raised in a very, very religious context, um, such as myself, that had super um, strict, fundamental, theological values, opinions, morals, all those things put in place as a child, it feels really good to break all the rules because mm-hmm. there's, there wasn't an opportunity for that. So then it can be hard to rein yourself back in when you're stepping into some of these other spiritual practices where you're like, well, why do I have to do this yoga pose this way? Uh, can't I just move my body? Why do I have to uh, cast a circle this way? Can't I just do it th- like this instead? Or why do I have to use this particular herb for this 
type of thing? Why can't I use that one? And in, I think it can be a little frustrating to put yourself back into a place of structure when you feel so free finally, mm-hmm. but you have, I, I think people need to remember, and this is something that I had to learn personally, that until you learned the system, you're not working in a system. And so you're having to reinvent the wheel and it sucks because then you make a lot of mistakes. Whereas <laughs> oh, there's all these systems in place, all of these mystery schools, all of these beautiful esoteric teachings where people figured out a lot of the steps and then you can just build off of them and you don't mm-hmm. have to do it from the ground up in a way that um, causes more strife than freedom. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a one-on-one class, right? And even, you know, you think about Larry Bird, shooting free throws is relatively simple. But, you know, when he would practice, he would shoot 100 free throws. And if he missed one, he would start over until he hit 100 free throws. So starting with basics is incredibly important. You know, it's the same thing with, with playing a musical instrument or anything else. Like, mm-hmm. you, you have to understand where you're coming from, you know? Yeah, you can't just start playing jazz unless you're a prodigy who was a jazz musician a lifetime before. <laughs> right. Yeah. And as and we as we've said before too, like a lot of this stuff, the more that you do on a repetitive cycle, uh, it becomes ingrained in you. You know, it becomes something that we naturally do. So that you know, if you're if you get to the point where you're like a master magician and you are you're feeling the energetics and you're able to imagine the alchemical symbols that you need to at the right time while you're in ceremony. So you don't have to either draw it or you don't have to like call it up. Like literally the stuff just kind of comes to you. It's, it's, it is like jazz, you know, it comes to the, it gets to the point where it's so ingrained in your, in your body that you know exactly what is supposed to happen next to make sure that you get the outcome that you're supposed to get. Whereas as baby witches, you start throwing a bunch of cinnamon on stuff and you figure out how to call in the directions and, and you have to, you have to start uh, you know, somewhere. So this is another place that I kind of, I, I don't necessarily get stuck or confused, but it's like, you know, with so many traditions, um, there is a whole lot of free form, um, free form aspects to it. So as I've said before, like the whole idea of having ceremonial magic, you at least, you know, the structure, you've got kind of something to play with and you, you can, again, for me, I just kind of feel it when it's time for me to move to the next step or when I feel like I've learned enough stuff, or even when the guides that I work with feel like I've learned enough stuff, then they're kind of like, it's okay for you to move on to the next thing. You you know, even, and then those things are kind of introduced to me. That way. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just, it's a feeling. It really is kind of like, all right, the deck is either hot or cold where the cards are that need to come out. They have like a prickly feel to them, depending on what it is. And again, there's not really a way to verbalize it when you first start kind of touching into are getting in touch with your, your gifts. Like you may know that you're inherently good at something, but it literally takes you doing those things over and over and over again before you truly understand what it is that the message is that's coming through, because it may just be a feeling. It may not be something that you've read in a book. It's just kind of like, I know that when, if I feel this, this is related to emotion. So the card that I'm going to pull has to do with your relationships, you know, or something along those lines. And I want to say this is incredibly personal for you because it's not at all how I draw. Um, Right. And this is, to me feels like the water element, like having mm. a heavy water element will, will react this way in your body. But it's also clairsentience, what we were talking about before, where you just feel. Um, right. And I don't have that one strongly. I have claircognizance. Well, it's uh, clairtangence. Clairsentience is like feeling it, like an emotional feeling. Right, clairtangence is like feeling. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. 
<laughs> Sorry. But anyway, yeah. So clear tangents, clear sentence. Um, it's recognizing what your gifts are. And if right. you're a clear audience, you're not going to feel those things primarily. Um, you'll you'll experience it in a completely different way. You'll hear words in your head. You'll hear sounds and music and you'll hear like wind blowing and you'll know like, oh, something's coming as opposed to maybe somebody who's clairvoyant who will start to see pictures and images and colors and light. So there's so many different ways and everybody has the potential to grow all of those gifts. That's something else we don't talk about enough is everybody has the potential to develop them in a stronger way. Just like people who, um, in the physical world, like maybe everybody has the capability of typing on a keyboard. Some people do it better than others. Naturally. Mm-hmm. Or smelling or seeing like yeah, certain and, colors stand out to certain people. And some people are sommeliers and some people are interior designers. And like, we mm-hmm. all have the potential to learn it all, but it's going to be harder for some than others, depending on whatever the technique or task is. Um, but one thing that we can all do no matter what is tap into those extra sensory perceptions, those abilities to notice things that are beyond the physical mm-hmm. um, experience that we are used to on a day-to-day level. And um, we're also able to do the same three steps, <laughs> regardless of which type of magical tradition we're doing. And I think people don't even give this enough credit in um, Eastern philosophy, but they do it too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Like at the beginning of a yoga practice, maybe you start with your hands in prayer position in front of your heart, you lower your head, you set an intention, you like make sure there's nothing on your yoga mat, and then you slowly begin warming up, and then you move into a bigger space, and you move some energy, and then you calm down. Um, In (laughs) Buddhism, you you might chant a specific thing and you might use some sound and you might feel the energy uplift and then you uh, bring it back down in um, certain other traditions around the world. You make sure that the, the floor is free of debris and whatever is on the altar needs to be on the altar and you set an intention and you clear the space and you raise the energy and then you bring it back down. There's like this pattern that occurs no matter what kind of magical practice you're doing. And we just wanted to talk about the importance. The importance of clearing out your field before working, whatever that looks like. Um, mm-hmm. And then from there, working with one specific thing. And for people who like to multitask or who are uh, very indecisive, this can be the most daunting part. (laughs) (laughs) How do I choose? And um, that's taking back your power. And a lot of people don't realize that, that they're constantly giving up their power by just saying, oh, I have such a hard time deciding. I want to be like, stop. BSing, like yeah <laughs> step into step into a yeah asking for other people's opinions yeah right and just know. yeah it's yeah it's it's i don't know if it's funny but like uh earlier today i was i was cooking some lunch and i was standing at the stove and i literally started kind of welling up i started kind of tearing up and Lindsay came in and she was like you okay and i was like i am standing in my strength like i have something to say like just from the podcast and like the things that we talk about i'm like I, you know, I've literally been doing this work for most of my life, but especially uh, since 2014, you know, it's like, that was really when I started kind of stepping into this space as, as like 
being super serious about my magical practice. And I'm like, you know, when you go to school, if you go to, if you go to, you know, you get your bachelor's degree or whatever it is, you, you go through your four years and then you start out in an entry level position. And then you, you have, you have a, a wealth of knowledge that you're bringing to the thing that you're doing. And literally I have ne- I haven't always looked at my spiritual practice in the same way. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what are the things that you are doing in your daily life that you are an expert at? Yeah. You know, what is it, the things that you are really, really, really good at, or the things that you are really passionate about, you know, share that stuff. I mean, keep some of it to yourself, obviously, <laughs> but like well, share, it, share it with too, people so that they know about. the same thing. Yeah. Right. Uh, we don't, we're not even sharing like half of what we know yet on the podcast. <laughs> we're one, we're not even sure if people really want to hear it um, in the sense that they're not ready. And then two, it takes so many other steps along the way to get to the points that we want to talk about down the line of like how, how we work with our particular guides and how we work with our particular practices. And so much of it is still very, very general and, And at the same time, it's necessary because if you're just starting out on the path and you're listening to us talk about it, it can get really, really confusing listening to all of this kind of esoteric jibber jabber about this is Kabbalah and this is Mm -hmm. Golden Dawn and this is Wiccan and this is uh, yoga and this is Tantra yoga. Gnosticism, yeah. Tibetan Buddhism versus Zen Buddhism versus (laughs) so many layers, so many levels. We haven't even touched on a lot of the shamanic American practices that you and I have participated in either. Right, Um, right. We've briefly mentioned ceremony and sweat lodge and plant medicine, but not to the extent of like explaining how those things are set up or what to do in that kind of space. And eventually we will get to those episodes, but right now we wanted to focus on the, the most basic basics of setting up your space. So you can begin to commune with your guides. Mm -hmm. There you go. Yeah. So what's the first step? (laughs) The first step (laughs) is, clearing out your field and creating sacred space and a lot of people argue about what that sacred space is or looks like um, in most traditions they discuss circles um, setting up a circle mm-hmm. um, and I know for myself I always find uh, it easier for my mind to accept whatever is coming through if I go through the same steps every time. And that's where I think routine becomes ritual. Right. Uh, where it's, it's a, it's another tool. They're all, these things that we're talking about are all tools on the way to shifting your consciousness. And, and that's why I think they look different for different people. Yeah. Um, so for this stuff, um, you know, really, it begins with, it literally begins with yoga. Like I said, a lot of the first chapters in a lot of magic books that you'll read talk about magic and yoga and yoga literally means finding your seat and your breath, like not the asana, not the other stuff, like basic, 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 basic is really becoming embodied, you know, finding where you sit in, in, uh, in your life. So the, you start off by just making sure that your body's clear. There's deep breaths. It can be box breathing, four breaths in, hold for four breaths, four breaths out, you know, hold for four breaths. It's literally well, yoga, just getting yourself. Yoga literally means to yoke, to yoke yeah, your to, body to, to your union. soul. Yeah, bring your yeah. soul closer to you. So regardless of what that looks like, and I love that you brought that up because um, you can be doing practices where you don't even 
visualize anything around yourself, but just the act of your soul coming closer to you creates Mm -hmm. a more sacred container because your soul wouldn't do that action unless it was in a space where the energy was clearer and higher. Like there's, um, it's a literalness of the, the denser matter is thicker and lower and the, Mm -hmm. uh, more expanded, lighter, uh, faster moving matter goes up higher and is Mm -hmm. lighter. And so when we're bringing our soul closer to ourselves, we are literally feeling an expansion of our energy field and an Mm -hmm. expansion of all of the magnetics that are surrounding our body and all of the, the particles in the room begin to shift. And a lot of people in the science world are starting to see just how much our hearts emit, just how much our physical bodies are sending off different types of chemical signals and uh, energy wavelengths and, and respond to sound and vibration and levels of vibration. And people talk about tuning forks and how woo woo they are. And now they're starting to use them in actual medical practices sometimes because they're noticing that people they're, they drop into their parasympathetic nervous system when a certain frequency is hit. And mm-hmm. there's a reason that the solfeggio scale works. There's a reason that Tibetan there's a resonance that we're supposed to. Yeah. yeah. So um, clearing and, and, creating sacred space might look different for everybody, but it's always the first step. Don't just immediately go into like calling on deities or um, trying to do a spell or uh, just starting a yoga practice, like right off the bat without any type of pause beforehand. Right. That pause is so crucial. The kumbhaka, the retention. Mm-hmm. And then like, you know, if you are doing yoga, a lot of times you will, if you're in a, a traditional class, you'll begin with a really, really simple mantra of just Om or maybe Om Guru, Om Guru, Devi, Deva. Or you might do the um, the Kundalini one. That's the, oh, I forget it now because I don't do Kundalini. <laughs> I remember <laughs> doing it when I've taken the class. Um, they do a simple chant. So there's a couple different ways of opening. In magical practice, you tend to speak things into existence where you state what it is you're doing energetically. So right. in the traditions that I have been, I said brought up in, <laughs> that I've been uh, initiated and studied in, um, usually there's someone guiding the grounding and centering and the breath work. And it always begins with the breath, just like you said. You, you pause, you get still, you straighten your back, you either plant your feet firmly or you sit up straight and mm-hmm. you notice your breath you begin with your breath you send your energy down you send your energy up you bring it back to the center you visualize the space around you and people will say things like you are grounded you are centered the circle is cast we're between the worlds and there's just like these statements that get repeated throughout different variations and traditions but they're all leading back to the same thing of okay now we're in a different place right gets you into a certain mindset um and again, for most, when, I don't know if you've, I'm sure you have, but I don't know if other people have. If when you go to a kirtan, the first kirtan that is almost always sung is Ganesh, because you want to remove any blockages that are in the way of other people. You've got a big group of people. Everybody's coming in from different things. They might have been sitting in traffic. They may be dealing with, you know, whatever in their family. So having that, actually having an energy 
that can help to clear that space will also help. So that's, you know, that may be a little bit further down the line for some people uh, who have not really worked with deities yet, but the energetic of, of Ganesh is to remove those, those energies. And he is one of the first energies that, uh, that most people start to work with because of that reason. Um, right. And that's, that's the next step is, is invoking, calling in, um, whether you want to call it drawing down the moon or inviting in deities or guests to be participating in what you're doing. Ganesh is probably one of the safest and most reliable and easily contacted deities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, um, he's not that the rest aren't. It's just, <laughs> I mean, he's. Going- He's one of the most popular in India, but um, I, I know I'm kind of jumping ahead actually because we we talked about doing clearing and grounding and centering too. So before we even get to to deities, it's just because you brought up mantra and I threw I wanted to throw Ganesh in there. Also, what up Ganesh? Big big ups. No, big exactly fan of him. Is the next step. It's it's clearing the space and and creating the container, the sacred energetic space around you, and then the next step is bringing things in. Mm-hmm. And for um something that. Jared and I talked about before this when we were just on our our face. <clears throat> um, in most magical practices, they focus on the four directions or the seven directions or the ten directions, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. Um, they set up clear boundary points and directions with names like north, south, east, west, above, below, center, mm-hmm. um, and they they call in specific elements and i want to make a distinction between that when you when you're setting up your sacred space if you're like i don't know how to do all that fine you don't actually need to unless you're gonna go on a very deep trance meditation and leave your body if you're not working on leaving your body you don't need to have anywhere to come back to (laughs) (laughs) um because you're you're staying there the whole time if you're staying embodied if you're just working on bringing your soul closer to yourself on feeling more whole more unified if you're not planning on doing any astral travel on shifting into other dimensions that sort of thing you technically don't need all of the the other points because those points help you navigate when you're in between the worlds right and i know that's kind of like a mysterious phrase but the idea is when you set up your sacred space you are so in the now and so in the present moment that you are almost removed from the physical reality around you and it might be kind of hard to believe if you're hearing this for the first time but honestly when you're in magical space time moves differently Mm -hmm. the air shifts the fire around you shifts like Mm -hmm. everything shifts and i've seen you experience it jared like very very clearly where you're like wow that hour went by in (laughs) seconds or i've had experiences where i felt like i was in there for hours and hours and i was gone 15 minutes Mm -hmm. in a trance and um and that's what yoga nidra does to people a lot so there's different ways of the time um becoming flexible but honestly that's where the phrase between the worlds comes is you are you're operating on multiple dimensions in multiple realities in multiple um levels of consciousness consciousness yeah and so the the way that you are working will affect multiple 
versions of yourself, past, present, future, all become combined. And so you are literally between the world. I'm so glad that you're bringing this up because this is something that I also want to talk about later, but I don't want to I don't want to interrupt right now. The idea <laughs> of literally pulling in energetics from other versions of yourself and other dimensions. And we can we can get to that once you're in this space, because that is one of the one of the best ways to work, because it is literally your energy. You're not even having to having to start work with with working with other deities or elementals or anything else. You're literally going the other versions of me that are shifted over a couple of, you know, vibratory states in the multiverse. I would like to start to move some of that energy in my direction, either financially or uh, confidence wise, like any of the stuff that you may have manifested in other places, asking to share is not a bad thing, especially if it's a version of yourself. So it's a higher version of yourself. And it's kind of like a sideways <laughs> version of yourself that you were going to, that you well, can actually work is, with. This is a huge component of like shamanic healing with soul retrieval. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't know what soul retrieval means. And it's not just going back into past lives or, or childhood and pulling pieces of yourself you left behind. It's parallel lives, right. it's future lives, and it's drawing yourself closer and closer into being a whole being. And it's also releasing any attachment to what those other lifetimes are doing to where you don't have to check in on them. Right. You can trust that you're handling it just fine over there because you're handling it just <laughs> right. fine over here. Right. And a lot of people have attachments and worries that like, oh, what if I'm doing this in that lifetime. I'm like, well, then that's what you need to be doing over there. Yeah. And you don't need to experience it in this lifetime at all. Um, and you have to let go of that attachment. And so there are, yeah, there's so many levels to that alone, but essentially you, if you want to learn about calling in the directions and then the differences between the guardians and the elements and the elementals and yeah. <laughs> the other um, types of beings that are in existence in our world, whether you want to call them angels or fairies or aliens or spirit animals or, or what dragons, whatever, all these things, lots of people connect to them in different ways mm -hmm. and they connect to different levels of them. And almost all of them have different expressions that are connected to you in some form or fashion. But the idea is you call them in as help, not as doing it for you well you call them in as literally as guardians right like if you're doing when you call in the directions you call in the at least for my practice you call in the direction of the east you call in the the uh or i call in uh the uh angel that coincides with east and the um the name of god that coincides with the east and then any other energetics that may go along with air that may go along with the direction of the rising sun you know, any right, of these things. Right, what I'm saying is like, if you want to get right. into that deeper level, right. then reach out to Jerry and I, because there's different ways of doing it. There's different systems, there's different traditions, right. different lineages, and you, you call in a number of different things in a specific order, depending on those traditions. And sometimes they start in the north, sometimes they start in the east, sometimes they go back and forth on all sides. Sometimes there's um, like three or four rounds where you keep going around the circle to bring in different ones. Sometimes mm -hmm. you do it all in one go. So uh, it depends on how much time I you've got and what exactly yeah, your, what happens. your intention is with the, uh, with the ceremony. So the idea though, is you don't have to do all of that. Right. Technically you, and 
most books say you do. So if you were to just go out and get a book that says like how to become a witch, and there's literally a book called how to become a witch, (laughs) um, they will give you an order of what to do with specific tools that you hold in your hands, Mm -hmm. specific directions that you face, specific beings that you call on, and they won't explain why. Yeah. Um, and, And it's going to be difficult if you don't have a person who's a physical teacher, like in this lifetime, who's alive, get more specific amy that you can actually have a conversation with they breathe air (laughs) well i mean who knows you could have a teacher who's a dolphin it's true Um, i mean if you're john lily you take enough ketamine yeah sorry they do (laughs) all dolphins do breathe air they have an air hole you're so right (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's that idea that um there's there's a value to having a teacher explain these systems if you want to go deeper. If you're just starting out, though, essentially clearing your space, creating a sense that you have shifted into those between world states is the first step. And then the second step is working with one, maybe two mm-hmm. beings. Yeah. And these are the beings we wanted to talk to you about today. So you already mentioned Wonder. You mentioned Ganesh. Gotta love him. Gotta puppy. Um, and if we, yeah, if we stay in India... Um, let's also bring in, uh, Durga, Mm -hmm. who is a very beautiful goddess, mother energy, who's protective. Like that's her role. She kills demons and protects women and children who are helpless. So even though she's fierce, she's a a benevolent fierce. There's, it's like a mama bear. Yeah. Right. She's got a hundred arms and each of them has a different weapon. Like that's, that's what, that's what she does. A lot of uh, people in India call on her regularly. Like when they go outside their house, they call on her because they want her protection as they go about their day. Um, But she's someone who's safe to call on. Like if you were to just brand new, starting out, never worked with any beings outside of yourself before, Ganesh and Durga are going to be ones that want to contribute to your growth and want to make sure that you don't stumble upon anything that's going to inhibit that growth. And their lessons, I don't want to say they're easy because like I have had a very, I don't want to say difficult relationship with Ganesh, but it was literally like asking him to do certain things. If you don't, if you also don't give, hold up, yeah, hold up your end of the bargain, then you're, you're going to get smacked in the face with any deity, to be completely honest, like with any energy that you're working with, if you don't, if you don't approach that with respect it's the same thing as you know a handgun or anything else like things can be used for multiple purposes and energetics like that can do the same thing so if you if you don't if you don't hold up your end of the bargain or if you end up using trying to use the energetic uh, against someone else of ganesh of like putting an obstacle in front of someone and they don't accept it it can come back at you it can it can be in something blocks you yeah and it harms right the idea is you're you're doing it for yourself. yes yeah if you it, and even if you're doing something positive right where you, or you think it's positive you're like oh please remove this obstacle from this person's life i want them to be more financially abundant you don't know what that lesson is that they're experiencing right you might be taking away an option for them to grow and it might not be in their soul's alignment for you to remove the obstacles and it sucks because as humans we want to be compassionate we want to be uh, philanthropic we want to to be nice and kind and we want to help people but it's not your job to be the rescuer either it's only your job to grow yourself and the second you try to start saving a bunch of people you will be getting in your own way yeah. because you won't be letting them do the discovery for themselves it's like when you're raising a child you could let a child 
experiment and fail and sometimes get a little bit hurt. Like you don't let them get a lot hurt, but <laughs> you, you only protect them from the really, really bad stuff. Like touching the stove or falling down the stairs and otherwise you teach them how to go down the stairs slowly and carefully and you teach them how to stir the food without touching the pot and you you let them experiment on their own with everything else like you don't color the picture for them no matter how many times they ask and deities work the same way where they're happy to hand you a crayon and say yeah go ahead you try and make the um and you can say can you show me how you do it and they can they will they'll say this is how i do it let's see how you do it right. um but to ask them to constantly do it for you they get tired of that and they don't want to hear that and that's um something we were talking about before with prayer versus meditation versus magic prayer is you talking to the deity meditation is you listening mm-hmm. and magic is you doing the yeah work. Yeah, literally. Um, Also, there are certain energetics that are are unable to help. Like it is literally not in their power to do certain things. So if you ask a certain energy uh, to, you know, to bring you financial abundance or to bring you health or to bring something else, that might not be in their purview. They just don't, that energy is, doesn't work that way. So it moving through. Or they don't. Yeah. Or yeah, they don't give a fuck. Um, But like once, once we get into like the next couple of stages of actually talking to, and, and, and having conversations with these energetics. Cause right now when you're, I, I think we're, we were talked about uh, getting into this, but like when you actually start to interact with them in your ceremony, um, when you're in that in-between space on the other side of the veil, um, there's a, a lot of, there's a lot of importance to actually just present yourself and like get to know the energetic and let the energetic or the God or the goddess get to know you as well. You don't go in, it's just like, you know, we kind of had mentioned uh, before you'd mentioned when we were talking about like, you don't meet a, a rich person or a famous person, and then start pelting them with questions. You know, you don't go up to a rich person and go, can I have a million dollars? You're kind of like, all right, so this is what I'm doing. And this is what I would like to, you know, maybe offer to you as a sacrifice. If you're interested in maybe working with me, that'd be great. And they're kind of like, all right, cool. We'll see. Oh, you. no, that's something I want to touch. With you. We don't sacrifice to gods or goddesses. Anymore. Oh, we don't. Is that a new um, thing? It's well, it, it's a patriarchal thing. Oh. And we can go into a whole oh podcast. Oh my goodness! See, the, I'm trying yeah. to mansplain, and I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, because that's again, that's turning over your power. That's saying, here, I'm going to give you something that is of value to me that I actually need that I um, am down giving to you, so that you will do the same. Oh my! This t- this podcast just went in a different direction. Okay, so I don't agree with that. I think I yeah. think that deity energetics spirit itself does not care about the quality of what you are offering it. It only cares about oh, no, the fact that you are giving I'm, something up or giving something to I'm it. I'm saying that um, you shouldn't be giving anything to them. They're asking for offerings and maybe consider not working. Well, yeah, them. not if they're asking for anything, but if you have something that you either like, if you have a, if you have, if you have pain that you don't want anymore, you say, would you take this? You know, it's that type of thing of like offering it's the, again, it's not the quality of the thing that you're offering to them. It's kind of like, I don't want this anymore or I don't need it or I've learned this lesson. That's, and then you I will learn different than, than sacrifice, um, like the, the concept of sacrificing to a being that you believe to be higher than yourself. Gotcha. OK, like, well, I, it's, then it, that's I, really that's a semantical that. thing. Then it has to do with the, yeah, the, vo- the verbalism or the way that we're verbalizing the, the term. OK, so. I don't say, but but it's important too because a lot of people talk about that where they're like, oh, in witchcraft, don't you like sacrifice animals in order to like get what you want? No, um, I hope not. I God, I hope not. Yeah. Uh, there's 
there's been a history of it in certain types of practices and it's awful and we've we've touched on it before when it comes to tantra and the way that they used to take the shakti out of women essentially by like forced sexual practices um and we've talked about it with um are you sorry i was playing the drums go ahead (laughs) (laughs) i was like what is happening over there um yeah or the idea of of pulling energy from something outside of yourself into yourself um and there's so many different things that go with that and there's a lot of fear based off of some of those practices where um you take the life force of something in order to increase your own power and effectiveness and that is a dark side of magic that is literally the like some of the darkest kind of black bad awful magic that you can do okay so it's and it's it's literally the it's 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 usually saying it's, it's 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 saying offering as opposed to sacrifice is that what you're saying Okay, because I mean, even when you go to Buddhist temples, people will literally literally bring food and put it as an right. offering to the god or goddess. And right. a lot of the times, there's a there's a Buddhist temple that, uh, that's in um, uh, Southern California where they actually have food for you to offer to the god or goddess when you get there. You can offer it to Buddha or to Tara or to uh, Avalokiteshvara, uh, and then when you leave, you can actually take it with you. So again, you're you're making an offering right. to the uh the deity the whole idea that i'm saying of sacrifice let's make this a whole other podcast because i (laughs) there's a lot that i want to talk about with the food offerings and and we can go over it but um let's jump back to where we were with bringing in some of these pleasant (laughs) things that we can work oh back to the good good Um, okay all right who don't ask for sacrifice right this is something that i really love about um about like the the two that I wrote down first on the mm-hmm. list, which are Mother Mary and Mary Magdalene. They don't ask for anything except your commitment to do the work. Right. That's, that's I think, the sign when a deity is um, is on the up and up. <laughs> when they all they ask is for you to live in your truest, most authentic form and to do as much self-development and self-work and... Um, and truth finding that you can. I think that's how, I mean, that's how all of the energies that I work with are. Nobody has ever asked me for anything, which is good. Again, we talked about that. If you hear spirit, if, yeah. if spirits speak to you, test, <laughs> test them, you know, ask them that's what their, their deal is. Um, but I do, I will completely agree with that. Like um, the only thing that they may ask you is to get up at random hours of the night. That's at least the experience that I've had where. And I still even disagree yeah. with that. I'm like, I, you are not allowed to do that. To well, that's me. again, I that's a boundaries thing. Yeah. That's a boundaries yeah. thing. And so a lot of these deities won't even do that. You had an experience with Jesus where he was like, wake up. <laughs> um, but <laughs> for me, Jesus, Mary and Mary all help me get to sleep better um well again that's part of the things that i have offered i really like getting up in the middle of the night to do my japa or to do my meditation or to even read like i'll get up sometimes if i wake up and and it's like that's what i'm being called to do i'll get up i'll read for three hours which i did a couple of days ago and then i'm like all right well i just learned some new stuff and now it's time to go integrate it i can feel myself starting to get tired again i'll go back lay down go to sleep process a lot of the stuff and things will kind of integrate and then it's you know, on, on with my day once I wake up a couple hours later. Yeah. Um, so, so Mary, Mother Mary mm-hmm. is triggering for some people because maybe they're brought up in the Catholic faith and they don't want to um, 
fall back into that or feel like maybe she's made up right. because she's in that religion. And honestly, the depiction of her in most Catholic churches is off in the sense that she isn't this untouchable, perfect, pure woman who was faultless. Um, she was an actual embodiment of the goddess, which a lot of people don't want to acknowledge. Um, they only call her queen of heaven after the annunciation. Right. Um, they don't call her queen of heaven while she's still on earth. And that, that is the, the mystery and the magic of her is she actually was the goddess in physical embodiment. That's why she was able to give birth to the God in physical embodiment, which Jesus was. And he always talked about that, that he is God and he is man. Mm -hmm. And that's the mystery that he wanted to impart to everyone. with Christ consciousness is how you experience the divine within the human and embody both. And Mary Magdalene also was an embodiment of the goddess, but in a very different way than mother Mary. Mother Mary was like, the empress card in the tarot whereas mary magdalene was the high priestess right. and the two of them combined with jesus <laughs> made like a very very strong triad that a lot of people don't look at as a triad they always like do just one or two right and they don't think about the third component and they're it's all important and it's all beautiful and working with them can bring a whole new level of awareness to yourself and it also can bring a whole new level of peace because that's one of his titles is prince of peace and it's if you're feeling overwhelmed by all the energies coming at you, if you're feeling like you don't know how to process your empathic abilities, and if you don't know what to trust or who to believe in, these beings have made it their mission to make you feel connected to the divine and safe mm -hmm. enough to learn more. Yeah. it's And the things that have been written down uh, look deeper. You know, that's really a big part of it, too, is like just trying to Mis misinterpretations or other people's interpretations of what these things are, what these stories mean is very patriarchal, which is what Christianity has, has literally become. You have the Pope. There's not like any female Popes. There's never been, you know? <laughs> so. Well, Constantine stopped out all the Gnostic things that included women. What a um, dick. Well, I mean, it wasn't even completely him. It was the council. Next yeah. Anyway. Um, so though, that's another thing. Yeah. So you've got Ganesh and Dorga, um, Mary and Mary, <laughs> Jesus. And um, let's move back over to the east uh, with Kuan Yin and Buddha. Yeah. So Jesus and Buddha have a very, very similar. Um, they have similar energies. Energe yeah. yeah, energetic signature. I was going to say like energetic emanation. <laughs> when, you, when you encounter them, there's a lot of calm. There's a lot of peace. There's also a fierce, uh, a very fierce energy against things that are um i would say like evil in nature or like negative influences or like untruthful untruthful yeah. yeah that's the big thing they're very much jesus is more love oriented i think than buddha mm -hmm. uh, whereas kuan yin has that love compassion component to her nature right she's a bodhisattva so she's not quite at the buddha level like maybe Avalokiteshvara or something. Well, Avalokiteshvara and Kuan Yin are technically the same energetic. Because, yeah. Oh, right. It's just one. Yeah. Mask, yeah. 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 So, um, but they're, they have the love, compassion component that Mother Mary and Jesus mm -hmm. do. Whereas Buddha is a little bit more um, removed from human sentiment. Right. Uh, detachment from all things in order to be connected to all things, <laughs> which is such a 
beautiful paradox. Um, and then if we go like further east, technically across the Pacific, you can find um, a really beautiful energy of Pachamama, mm-hmm. which is the Earth South herself. America. And it's, yeah, it's just such, she's a calming energy too. And people talk about this when we go on our Peru retreats or when we're sitting in um, plant medicine ceremony. When you connect to Pachamama, you feel held mm-hmm. by a mother. You feel um, safe and secure and nurtured and loved and taken care of. Um, have you ever felt Pachamama be not nice? Well, that's the thing. It's not that she's not nice, but I mean, mamas can be like, you know, when you're barfing in a bucket in the jungle, it, it doesn't feel very nice, but it's... That's, that's grandma's <laughs> Grandmothers are the sassy ones. Pachamama's like yeah. the one that holds... She's kind of like, let me get you a blanket. Like, thanks, mom. I had too much to drink. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely will say that. The the energetic, it I would kind of equate it to... Um, um, who is the at the end of um, at the end of Moana the oh yeah, yeah. Um, starts with a T doesn't it yeah I can't remember what her name is um so that that energetic like that like ner- that constant smile that big smile that like very I'm just gonna lay down and take a nap Tafiti yes the heart of Tafiti yeah so like that energetic that is definitely the Pachamama feel the very that that vibe um. It is really interesting. Like everything she touches, block. Yeah, it's just gr- growth and life everywhere. And if you, you know, the only thing you might have to worry about is getting bit by a mosquito or a jaguar. But it's like those are things from her, <laughs> not necessarily her herself. So, right. And um, and along those lines, if you do connect to the the Gnostic Christian faith, the mystery school of the Essenes, and and that whole um, region of Mesopotamia, then the version of Pachamama over there is Sophia Gaia. Mm-hmm. And that's what a lot of people call the divine nature of this planet. The physical planet is Sophia Gaia. And she is here to help us all learn. Like her job is to provide the proving grounds of all these souls. Um, and in doing so, she herself is also evolving and growing and participating in the ascension. Right. Um, and so she's, she's a great, great energy to just reach out to and feel connected to and surrounded by. Since we're in uh, the Americas, um, I would just say literally great spirit. Like that's another thing, like the, the masculine side of that, that energy is, it is all encompassing masculine energy, but it is very much the same thing. It's like a, you know, it's the dad who picks you up after you fall off your bike. Like it, you have, it has that Mm -hmm. energetic to it. And there's a there's a uh, benevolence that I have felt working with more of the native American um, masculine side too. Um, Yeah. It's like, it's, it's what a healthy emperor card would feel like. Yes. It's yeah. Less Aries, more like, you know, just a man in confidence, you know, a man who's kind of doing what needs to be done. Yeah. It's it's all the healthy side of the masculine that a lot of times we've lost. Mm -hmm to the patriarchal side of the masculine where it's um strong decisive clear focused it's the shiva consciousness but on a a much more um sweetly paternal level not not like a patronizing but a um comforting like you said kind of energy where he's there to 
to teach you how to ride the bike and you might fall, but mm-hmm. like you said, he'll pick you back up. Right. <laughs> um, he won't leave you lying. Down. Yeah. He's not the, he's not so, the dad uh, that makes you smoke a pack of cigarettes when he catches you smoking, you know, it's like completely oh, different yeah. energy. No. Yeah. Great spirit. And, um, you could also call him Father Sky and call Pachamama Mother Father Earth. Sky, um, Aquila, which is the name for, you know, it's the Latin name for an eagle. Uh, like just it's again, these things will kind of come to you. And sometimes you may have words or you may have uh, the names of, of energies that literally pop into your head or that you feel in uh, in that space that you will start to research. You know, again, question mm-hmm. them. Don't do anything that you're like if it asks if anything asks you to do anything or starts, you know, uh, fluffing, fluffing you up to make you to make you feel bigger than you actually are, then it's, it's a, probably a good idea that it's probably not the energetic that you're wanting to work with. I had an experience a couple of weeks ago where I, I think I, I don't know if I mentioned this last week, but I was like calling in a couple of different spirits are working with like new energies and literally asking directly, are you this thing that I just called in? And it, I didn't get a response. I got a dark, heavy feeling. And it's kind of like, all right, well, you need to go. I did not invite you here. You know, and so be you, right. again, you have power in the place where you are. Do not feel disempowered. That is one of the ways that you're going to get, you may get taken advantage of, or you may end up working with an energetic that is, doesn't have your highest interest in mind. So. Right. Um, speaking of like working, working with yeah. them, um, two beings that really love to help people develop their magical practices or Isis. And mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And there's other ones that are in the Egyptian pantheon that I absolutely love, but I don't want to say because I feel like you need to meet them through a teacher mm-hmm. because there's not a whole lot of information on uh, a reliable nature on the internet. Right. And so I don't want to direct you to their names because, again, you might encounter something written about them that's going to put a whole other spin on it or make you relate to them in a way that is not helpful or safe. Yeah, exactly. These so. are these are safe uh ideas that we're giving it's like this is this something that again either has we and we we, you can do without you without jeremy or right leading you through a ceremony to me right and they're talked about they're like they're known they are still active energies which you know again we talked about with mantras sometimes they're sealed sometimes they're you know the energetics and certain gods and goddesses have been forgotten because of the the destruction that they can cause or because of the things that happen in society that are connected to them. So it's literally like, we don't, we don't work with them right now. You know, the stuff that is still fairly present, you can still learn from them. It doesn't mean that it's like, this is not like gift store uh, deities. This is very much, if you work with Thor or if you work with, you know, uh, Bridget, like you said, like some of these other energetics that you can literally find information on you it's it's you're going to get something out of it as long as you're intelligent in the way that you're dealing with it. If you start going down the rabbit hole and dealing with things that you have never heard of before, and it's like gloss gloss blah blah or whatever, it's like don't don't <laughs> fuck with him, okay? Like that doesn't leave, sound like leave language. leave him in the dark. All right, we'll come back and deal with this ass later. But like, <laughs> oh my yeah, God. yeah. But Isis and Thoth, they are ones like um they they embody the magician card in mm-hmm. the tarot if that's what we're looking at right. they are able to um manipulate the tools that they have in a way that feels magical to humans but to the divine is just working with the world um and they help you do the same they help you find the tools that will channel your energy that will express your desires in a way that is in your soul's greatest alignment. They will show you the connections and the, the ways that 
all these other beings have been named after them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they love it when you discover stuff. They're, they're like really clever professors mm-hmm. who get you to answer your own question. Yeah. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Isis does have a mother aspect and like a really strong motherhood type of energy um and she also has like a very clear um in her own power sovereign queen aspect as well as a partnership aspect so she's like a a triple goddess in and of herself with the way that she interacts with things where you can see the the different partnerships that she encounters that activate different parts of herself and then thoth he um also has different other different beings that he works with one of the most famous is mott Mm -hmm. Um, the goddess of truth and i would say that she's safe as well because that's what she is she's true (laughs) (laughs) you're calling on her you might see truths about yourself that are uncomfortable but you won't be in a bad place at all because she's only going to show you what you're ready to handle the universe never gives you what you're not ready for Um, right well yeah that's the other thing too like a lot of these if you try to call in a deity and and they either you don't have the energetic to work with them or they don't want to work with you they're they're probably won't show up and if they do they may they may pop in and be like you called and you're kind of like yeah you want to work together and they're like nope and like all right cool see you later like you will literally feel that energetic kind of shift as they come in and out and it's you know it's not like a fuck that kind of vibe at least with the energies that i've worked with it literally is kind of like I'm, you're not ready to work with me yet. Like you're not working on that aspect, you know? So, or sometimes I feel like it's like a, a first date thing where, where you're in ceremony to see if you two are going to mm-hmm. make it work. And, you know, it, conversation's going okay, but you've got different interests and you kind of have different um, things that you want to make sure happen in this lifetime. And so you realize, you know what? Look, no hard feelings. <laughs> We're not going to date. Yeah. <laughs> and, and there's an, I, Uh, like a knowing or a feeling or a sensation that will come through that will tell you for sure. Like maybe you are more suited to work with Bridget than you are with Isis. Maybe you're more suited to work with Durga than you are Kuan Yin. Mm -hmm. Maybe you're more suited to work with Ganesh than you are Jesus. doesn't matter which one of these that we're talking about. It's just the idea that um, finding the ones you resonate with will also help you in your own growth as well as, encountering your soul family that's here on the planet we all have soul families that are incarnating with us jer and i are soul brother and sister and we wouldn't have encountered each other if we hadn't been seeking the same things and trying to align ourselves with our highest goal and highest purpose and highest guardians and master teachers and they all came together and now even though we're technically walking on a very similar path we're doing it in different ways but we're able to support each other because we're like oh yeah that thing you just said I do it too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, also, I mean, we've talked uh, more of anthropomorphic gods and goddesses, but literally working with animal spirits is also a big thing. Like, and that's a little wow. more a little more Native American, but you can find uh, oracle decks that uh, that will that you may resonate with more. That you can kind of start doing some research on what the energetic of these animals are because. Every animal, at least in the North America, uh, the North American, Native American tradition. Um, and South American. And, and South American. Otorongo and Amadou. Right. Like each of them has a different vibe that goes along with it. So spirit, you know, again, talking about like the, 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 the language break, you know, there's the loss, the trans, the loss in translation. There are energetic languages 
you may be you may receive messages from divinity that are uh, either spoken or written in Enochian. If you don't know Enochian, that's not going to help. Same thing with Hebrew or Sanskrit. Uh, like I said, in ceremony, I had this wash of information come through and I'm kind of like, I don't know what the fuck I'm looking at. I recognize the characters, <laughs> but I'm like, this is lost on me. I need to understand the language before I can read these things that are coming through. When it comes to um, animals, which we are very easily uh, able to understand the energetic of, if you have a repetition of things coming across your path, if you see... Um, you know, if something catches your eye that is like an eagle or a hawk, like hawk is messenger, and then in, in the Native American, uh, in the Native American tradition, buffalo, which is one of my uh, one of my spirit animals and one of my favorites, is is prayer and abundance. So, like, if you have certain things that you feel drawn to, or if you have uh, a repeated cycle of this message that keeps coming through, look those look that information up. Like, find a reliable source. Uh, the medicine cards, the discovery of power through the way of animals is a, a deck that I have, which I absolutely love. And, and I love the, the wild unknown, wild unknown animal deck. Animal. Yeah. So yeah. something along those lines, if there's, if there's a message that keeps coming through, if you keep dreaming about um, rabbits or squirrels or something like there's, there's probably an energetic that spirit is trying to, to give to you in the most basic form that it can. Like yeah. you think about hieroglyphs on in the pyramids too, like basic, you can get a lot of information from a basic, I'm glad a basic you brought idea, that up because right? A lot of these animal beings have really significant deities attached to them too. Cause if you think about all of the, yes. um, therianthropes is the fancy word, but animal headed human body mm -hmm. beings throughout the world, um, you might find that you're seeing the animal representation that's connected to this deity. And then that helps bring you to the deity that your soul really wants to engage with and learn from. Um, and so right. maybe if you're constantly seeing like scorpion, well then go look up what scorpion means in different cultures and what they represent. If you're constantly seeing a lion, go look up what that means. If you're constantly seeing a hawk, like you brought up hawk is messenger in, Native American, well, Hawk in Egyptian, mm -hmm. that's Horus. Um, and Horus has yeah. a very like clear role to play in the um in the evolution of a soul's consciousness. Like he helps you alchemize a lot of the practices that Isis and Osiris do in order to literally raise your vibration to the point that you are are starting to work on the ascension process. So mm -hmm. those animals, you're, I'm so glad that you said that. It's, it's true. The, they are, they're, they're the gateways. <laughs> can't wait, drugs. Yeah. And they have their their own animal medicine, too, like the um. And so do plants. Right. A lot of people do not give plants enough credit. They give mushrooms credit because mushrooms take us on like really fun journeys. And now scientists are so obsessed with how mushrooms connect on the whole world and their beautiful mycelium network, but. A lot of other plants, and we've mentioned this before, also have medicine to teach and also have deities they're associated with. Um, mm -hmm. Especially, like, uh, if you look at Celtic lineage, um, with the way that the different trees mean different things. Um, so those kinds of trees right. have things to say. Um, if you're looking at certain Native American ones, or even... Uh, like the alchemist, literally the sycamore tree is in so many different myths and legends from around the world that it's kind of like mind boggling how often the sycamore shows up. And so are you seeing a lot of sycamores? Right. Are you hearing that name in songs and like maybe look up what it's connected to and how it, it's woven throughout our world's consciousness?
this is also it's the reason why it's called a cult it is hidden it is veiled right so all of these like we we're talking about with mm-hmm. offerings <laughs> not sacrifices offerings that you make to when you that you make to hindu deities there are certain plants that you offer like the lotus flower or whatever that you're offering to certain that are that images of the deities are always shown with same thing if you see those types of plants it may be equated to that that deity or that energetic so don't get it in your head about it being a religion or that you're worshiping anything like that was that is something i think that's hard for people too because when they hear god or goddess those are just those are just names that were put on to these things or these energetics because people didn't understand them and didn't know how to move them through themselves, you know. And there was there's we still live in this age of differentiation and separation where I am this and that thing is mm-hmm. not me, right? Well, those those energies are already moving through you. You are that. I hate to tell you, same thing I started out saying when we started the podcast. You like are, you're a god, divine, you are a god, you're and you're a goddess. That's yeah. always what I work with my clients. I'm like, please remember, please remember how magical you are. Please remember how much power you have. Um, cause that's what really it is. Yeah. Graham always said that we're species with amnesia. And this is one thing we always forget when we come in, um, to our ego selves, right? Children tend to know children are like, I'm magic. <laughs> I am mystery and I am. Yeah. Mother. Uh, but once they start speaking and once they start, uh, interacting with a lot of other humans, they start to develop this complex that says like, oh, this person's taller than me, bigger than me, stronger than me. Therefore, everything else outside of me is also taller, bigger, stronger, more powerful. And it takes a lot of um, mental gymnastics to get around that idea that we are just as capable of flying. We are just as capable, if not more capable Mm -hmm. of moving between the worlds. Um, And that's something that I think I use a lot as an illustration that there's these gods and goddesses that we call on and we work with and we ask them to come down. We ask them to like come into our presence, but we forget that it takes them effort to do so. They don't like being in the physical realm. Mm -hmm. Um, Or if they do like being in the physical realm, they have to borrow something else to be in. (laughs) They they don't have a body. They don't have (laughs) physical representation. And so um, it takes them a lot of energy to fully show their presence to us if we're not attuned to those more sensitive Mm -hmm. um, representations. And so that's part of the reason sometimes people don't see anything or don't hear anything is because they haven't sharpened their senses enough. And that's where a lot of mystery schools have that phrase. Those who have eyes to see and ears to hear, it takes practice mm-hmm. to develop clear audience. It takes practice to develop clairvoyance. And these beings really do want to work with us. It's just, they're like being called on all over the planet. They have to be in a lot of places at once and they are very capable of by locating, but they're also in a space where if they don't have to, make themselves look like a physical presence they'd rather not because they've already done mm-hmm. that they don't need yeah. to do it again and we're in a space where we're experiencing a physical life for a reason and we're learning how to move beyond it and this is something you and i were talking about beforehand where we're not trying to have an eternal life like the philosopher's stone is supposed to give you with um, the elixir of life that, that makes you immortal in the sense that your physical body and your ego go on forever that's actually a very unhealthy mm-hmm. attachment and picture of a soul's journey. The, the goal is to alchemize the soul <clears throat> and spirit with the mind and the heart of the human to the point that the mind and the heart of the human rise up to the level of the soul and the spirit. And there are attributes that continue with you without your ego being involved. 
And so like the highest form, like Jesus is recognizable because of certain attributes. Ganesh is recognizable because of certain attributes. There are things that we have come to associate with these beings in order to know who they are and how they work and how they work within us. And we have the potential to become these beings. We have the potential to become master teachers for other humans because we're already on this path in a physical lifetime. Right. Well, I mean, I think also it's just, that's the way that they are, that's the way that they're portrayed. Right. And that's, it's, that's still, we say that as then that's Mm -hmm. how they are portrayed. And we, and by saying that there's an ego around that is saying Ganesh is just, is just an an elephant headed God. Mm -hmm. And he's the one dude, you know, but it's like, that is the energy that is that. So you're talking about like, we have all that stuff in us. If you align with whatever that is, or if you use a certain mantra your entire life, that is what you are. That's what right. you're aspiring to, you know, being a magician as opposed to being a, um, a devotee to something like being a devotee is great. There's absolutely nothing wrong to devoting your life to doing one specific thing. But being a being a magician is being able to use all of these different things or I don't say use to work with all of these different elements that are inside of us. So that, you know, again, we might have a separation when we die where we are able to still kind of come back as Jeremy or whatever. Like once I go, I don't think that in my past life, my name was Jeremy. You know, I don't think that in my future lives, I'm going to be named Jeremy. I don't, I don't resonate with that name at all, but it's like, like it's the thing that you do and how you make people feel. Yeah. Right. If if you go deep enough into your Akashic records, you can find your true name. That would be the equivalent of Yeshua or uh, Ganesha. And it's like, it's, mm. it's a lot of discipline and rigorous um, proving of truth and like a true heart because you cannot share that name. <laughs> you cannot. Right. Well, I need to yeah. start doing some of that. How could I sign up for one of those? Do I need to I donate a book do. a session with you? <laughs> so, okay. but yeah, there's, um, there's so many uh, beautiful experiences that I've heard of people um that was oh, supposed to be a plug for you, Amy. I was I trying know. to get you to plug yourself. Um, <laughs> I don't want to help. Uh, uh, I, no, I should take that back. Okay. I would gladly help you know the process of doing it, but I cannot be involved in the actual name receiving ceremony. That is something people have to do alone. I can tell you how to do it. I can okay. explain how others have done it. I can say there are um, more effective ways, and I can say that it will take a long time until it's revealed because you have to be ready. Um, and it's something that I know uh, is described really beautifully in the book by um, Yaakov Darling Khan, Jaguar in the Body, Butterfly in the Heart. He describes the process of finding his true name. And it is so beautiful and like made me cry listening to it because I listened to him read the book. And, um, and I, I think that we forget that our souls have a name and that we might not be able to say it in this lifetime because we might accidentally share it with someone else and names have power and that's how i mean there's so many stories about that myths around the world where a god or a goddess finds the true name of another god or goddess and they gain power um right well that's the reason why there's literally the mm -hmm. unspoken name of god like yote vavhe like that's that's the name that we know it as but there's supposedly you're not supposed to be able to say the name of god because maybe that's part of it is because you you have you end up getting that power from the Mm -hmm. that that deity or you know there's something there there's something that is either uh disempowering for someone else or it could be dangerous you know we've mentioned before they're actually um 
the human names of the incarnation that reached ascension. We should be clear on that, that they're right. uh, they've all lived on the planet at some point, which is mind boggling of how long history has gone on, like with humans. Um, again, <laughs> go read Graham Hancock. Uh, there's so many names that they could have had. But when Mary Magdalene passed out of human existence and into her wholeness, into her spirit body, that is still active on the planet through channeling and through people's experiences of her. Um, she comes to us as Mary Magdalene because that is the way that we know who she is. That's not her soul's name. And so we have to be clear right. on that too. Buddha, Jesus, all of it. It's like the way that they are the most approachable, the most easily recognized. Um, and, and also the most, um, I would say like energetically aligned with helping humanity. Yeah. We kind of talked about that too earlier about like with Hermes and Thoth and Mercury, like all being like different right. variations of that same, th that same person. Because supposedly, you know, Thoth, Thoth was around for a long, yeah, he was around for a long time. He came back multiple times. Uh, again, I don't know if that was just like a rebranding for him. He was like, I'm going to be Thoth this time. I'm going to be so-and-so. Or if it was literally he reincarnated because there were other lessons for us to learn. Like the mystery schools kind of teach that, that it's like they go off, they do their thing, and then they decide to reincarnate, well, that, that they come back. Christian right? That's Rama as incarnations of Vishnu. Yeah. Right. The Vishnu, the incarnations, the deity. Yeah. I think that's so, one of the mysteries of Thoth is like, why did he come back? And why did he come back in the way that he did come back? And what are the, what are the things that carry mm -hmm. through each of them? And what parts has humanity butchered essentially right because even jesus's story right has not been handed down through generations in a true format you have to do a lot of work with him there's like 18 <laughs> years that are missing well he was in india nobody had internet at the time so they had no idea what was going on <laughs> check jesus's instagram <laughs> he's like check out this pic from nepal y'all <laughs> um yeah there's there's so many so many uh, instances I think where and you can even look at the Egyptian uh, stories where you can tell humans have messed with mm -hmm. it humans have either transcribed it intentionally and correctly because they were hiding the mystery from people who wanted the power or they transcribed it incorrectly because right. they were hiding the power from the masses or they transcribed it incorrectly because mm -hmm. they were human and we have errors <laughs> and so, there's, but there's because they're so idiots many, <laughs> where, like instantly you know like this one was made up um or this one was intentionally right. retold differently in order to push an agenda which is i think primarily what is going on in our planet right now is there's so many stories and this is something i've been harping on for years and i i just need to actually sit down and do it um rewriting the myths like writing them in a way mm -hmm. that is empowering writing them in a way that is relatable writing them in a way that will help people do the really great acts of magic that they want to do and that they know they're capable of, but because of the way that the stories are rolling around in their heads, um, the, the karmic patterns get all knotted up and tied. Right. Well, I mean, that's, that's a lot of what uh, Gnosticism and a lot of what the, the Kabbalah covers, you know, it's like understanding the energetic of certain things without actually having to put a definitive, mm -hmm. this is what this is, which 
you know, again, you can't help but put your own spin or your own uh, your own flavor onto something when if you are going to to rewrite something or to try exactly, to give an interpretation of human. it. <laughs> Everyone's human. Um, yeah. But yeah. this is where we get back to the beginning of knowing your own soul's truth. And if something rings true, right. it doesn't matter if everybody says the story is different. If you know it's true to you, then stick to that side of it because that's going to be way more beneficial um, in terms of you working with that being. Like for me, I know what I believe to be true about Mary Magdalene and Jesus might be different than what um, somebody else who's read maybe a different channeled text of hers might believe. And I've read multiple texts that um, say they are channeled from the same being from Mary Magdalene. And all of them have one or two little similarities. Um, The the biggest one being that she was a priestess initiate in Egypt. Um, That's like the one Mm -hmm. fact that carries through all of them. And then the second fact that carries through all of them is that she worked with Jesus in that lifetime as his equal. And a lot of people forget that too. So those two things are always the same. And then there's a third component that most of the texts have and that one or two don't where she is his lover and his wife just as much as she is his partner in um, acts of miracles and healing. And when it comes to that, I feel like the ones that don't align with that aspect of them doing Tantra and magic and um, lovemaking as part of their spiritual practice, as well as part of their human practice, like they were actually madly in love with each other (laughs) as humans. Um, I think that those texts are, are the, the human who is receiving the information isn't capable of transmitting those truths because there's so many who agree right. that that is a truth between them. And for me, that really resonated of like, yes, this is a, a partnership. This is how they are doing magic together. It's not about them being separate, but equal. <laughs> it's about them being in union mm-hmm. um, and what that looks like of the male and the female to come together Um, literally inside of each other, but with their energetics entwined inside of each other too. Um, And that's a whole history. Well, again, that's, that was, uh, that's like the the story of dogma. That's, you know, like, you know, about Jesus's, uh, his lineage, literally. And I think that it's kind of the same thing. There's a movie called Demon Knight, which was a Tales from the Crypt, (laughs) you know, that kind of has the idea of, of keeping the the blood of Christ, like and keeping that story alive. So we are, it always kind of comes back to films. Just can't help it. I was, you know, love Hollywood. Um, but uh, there's, there's aspects of that that is literally parts of those things that are, that are in us, you know, that are, that are passed on. So find what it is that resonates with you. You know, if it's, if it is something, if you are, you know, even as we kind of started off talking about, if you are turned off by Christianity because you had, you know, a, a rough upbringing with it, delve back into just a couple of stories with your own interpretation, you know, just like pick a random thing and then look at it from a different perspective, you know? And the um, same goes for if you, if you were born yeah, in that super um, uh, mainstream worldview of Christianity, look at some of these other deities that you might've been told were either false idols or demons or, mm-hmm. um, you know, like just bad in general, because they look scary like like Dorga, right. Dorga looks scary. Um, they're they aren't. <laughs> no, some of them, some of them <laughs> are 
not pleasant. Some of them, their role in this universe is to cause havoc or to create chaos or to um, make life very difficult for humans. Um, But that is the role that they have accepted as part of the polarity and the duality that exists in this universe that we are inside of, inside of the multiverse, (laughs) because there are other there are other types of existences where it's not dual it's it's triads or it's like lots of different viewpoints or it's like everything is still kind of one ish um and we just have a hard time um seeing that and so there i think there's a lot of fear around negative aspects and around other things and i think that that actually stems from fear that it's within us that what we are capable of doing and um it's good that's the only kind of fear that i think is a healthy one is knowing how powerful you are and therefore taking great responsibility and care with that power yeah yeah if you're not scared then you're not challenging yourself or you're not putting yourself into a situation where uh you're out of your comfort dictate you but you can use it as a like a thermometer of am I doing something right. that and, and there's different kinds of fear too. There's like fear of failure versus um, fear of the unknown versus like, there's so many different things that could be a whole podcast in and of itself. But yeah. And just one last thing too, we'd kind of talked about before, like these for me, you, if you do have clear, uh, clear sentience and you're able to actually see things or clear, wait, <laughs> is that right? Clear sentience. Yes. So if you're able to actually, uh, clairvoyance there you go thank you so if you are able to actually see things and you start to see energetics of things like we are t- like you're just talking about now with fear like i had an experience a couple of days ago where i literally was seeing things and i'm like all right i have this natural inclination to want to look down you know like we all kind of do and if you go back and you like be not afraid all the angels always say that whenever they're they're talking to people um i bring you great try news to maintain your focus yeah i'm this is good stuff this is really really good stuff so, like, if you do start to see things or if you do start to, like, experience some of this stuff, don't be scared. You know, like, again, that's a big part is just is confidence, making sure that you are confident in your space. Because, again, cowering like a like I did as a kid, like hiding under your blanket, falling asleep, mm-hmm. you know, really, really hot because you were afraid there might be something under the bed or there may be an energetic in the room. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean that it has or just because yeah, just because you can't see it doesn't mean that it has ill intent. Right. right? It could be that you're literally the house is filled with good energy. Set boundaries. Like stand your ground and say, look, I'm trying to sleep tonight, you know? Or if you see something, feel like if you have something to tell me, you know, let's figure out a way yeah, to communicate. Back to, like, you know, it. go move move towards the fear. Yeah. Move towards the fear as opposed to trying well, to and, move and away from stand it. your stand your ground firmly, like you said, boundaries and and if they present themselves and they scare you, like if you're looking mm-hmm. at like, mm-hmm. I, this happens a lot when I close my eyes, I see very um, strange is the best way to describe it. Faces, faces that could be interpreted mm-hmm. as like, like bone chilling, <laughs> like terrifying, um, war, right. different, different types. Sometimes it, it just depends. Um, and I ask them, I say, why are you presenting yourself this way? Where's the lesson here? Why mm-hmm. are you showing me this? Why are you showing me something that would make me want to look away? Why are you showing me something that would make me feel afraid for myself, for my children, for my house, whatever it is? Why would you show yourself this way? What's the point of it? And sometimes 
Sixth Sense. There's the movie. Uh, there's always it's always good. Yeah, like, why movie. are you showing me this? Why are you showing me this? And um, if you right. if you are clairvoyant and you are seeing things that are like scaring you, ask them. Why are you scaring me? What's the point? Of I'm not going to help you if I'm terrified. I'm just going to go run. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to ignore right. it until it goes away because then you you close off the sense. You close off the capability of it because you don't want to engage right. in it because it makes you feel bad. Um, and, or you literally demand that it step outside. Yeah. Like that's another thing. Again, standing in your strength, if you have something that's that's trying to scare you and that's its, it's intention, you say – um, this place is closed to you. You know, this is a safe space. Like literally repeat positive affirmations in your own voice. Like you don't have to use other languages. You can say, this is a safe space and we don't have room here for ghosts or whatever or like, the thing is. Be, or like, like a, again, an ancestor spirit that looks warped to us because right. we're still holding on to things and it's distorting the image or it's, um, it's right. trauma that's like manifested in their form somehow in their energetic form. And you want to say like, Hey, mm -hmm. Are you here because you want me to help you go back to the light? You can ask that too. Yeah. And yes, that is also a big thing. You don't have to take right. the responsibility because a lot of the times when I'm closing the, the house down at night, when I'm getting ready to go to sleep, I ask my guides to take care of any energetics, which may be seeking me out. I'm like, could you guys help any energies that are lost that are, that may be coming to me for guidance and help them find their next, their, their path to their, um, to wherever they need to go so that they can get like, you know, recycled back like into the soul stream. Like, so they can be reborn right? or whatever. They're, yeah, <laughs> They really exactly. shouldn't be flying around by you, but you were just so bright and attractive. <laughs> that you're like, please, for the love of God, help me. So, um, you're, you're absolutely right. Asking, this is where guides like Jesus, like Ganesh, like Dorga really come in handy because they, this mm -hmm. is what they do best. They help drive out demons. <laughs> it's like, literally their yeah. job yeah Jesus drives out demons dorga drives out demons so if you're in a space where there's energies that feel um sticky yeah, uh, malevolent yeah, like yeah malintent or or they just feel like Ugh, like i don't i don't want to see that anymore calling on one of the ones that we've already mentioned is going to help it and um and really having a clear intent with that and saying, like you said, with um, either clear them up so I can go to sleep or the way that I do it is um, mm -hmm. please guide them to whoever will help them get to the light. Let them go yes. to their teachers. Let them go to their guardians. Let them go to their guides, their deities. Let them find the path so that I don't have to be the one to do it because I'm tired and I'm going to sleep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So guide the way for all lost souls. And like, that's, that's a great way to close this out too. Is like, we talked about how do you start? Yeah. What do you do in the middle? And so at the end, um, clearing up the space again, because you've opened portals, you've opened doorways and just saying like, let mm -hmm. my mind and body be at rest. Let my, um, let my guides and guardians, uh, handle anything else that's in the space that needs to shift out of this space in order for me to, go about my day or get some good rest tonight mm -hmm. and, and closing right. down whatever way that you opened up, whether that, whether you cast a circle, whether you chanted or did a mantra, um, whether you just did a visualization, literally letting it dissipate is going to be the best way yes. to then move about. Cause otherwise you're going to end up by locating all day long. And it's very exhausting. Yeah. Make sure, make sure, make sure to close the space when you're done doing any of this work. 
So the, the reason I kind of went down that path was because I know what we're going to be talking about next week, yeah. which is working with new deities, yeah. like our new energies. Um, so if you do have, like I said, if you have like an experience like that where something else is starting to come in too, again, realize that the circle is cast for a reason. It is a safe space. And when you we, we kind of started on it and kind of mentioned that like you think about it as like your your body is the space. You think about the room that you're in as the space or the, the, the glen if you're outside, wherever you are. But literally... We are trying to expand so that you're seeing past planets into other solar systems, like like imagining places that are literally facing east and other places that you've been south, north, east, like all of these different like figuring, putting yourself literally in other places location wise to set up a safe boundary so that the bigger your energetic body gets the larger the energies you yeah. can work with and the more energy you're going to be able to actually move through your body. But then it's way more important to so. close that down because your body can't handle that. All yes. Time. Yeah. Otherwise, you would probably be living in some other dimension where you're a bigger light body and you can handle it all the time. <laughs> yeah. And some seriously. part of you is, and that's what you're talking about. And we can go deeper into that on another episode. But um... next week Ooh! or some other time. Yeah. yeah exactly. So next week, uh, how to meet other beings when their name jumps out at you or when you just see them or when you get a sense that someone new is present how to engage with that, how to work with your current guides um, so that you feel safe doing the practice and um, the kinds Mm -hmm. of teachers you work with in order to develop those skills. And in the between time, new moon ceremony with me on Wednesday, um, you can sign up. There's a link through my Instagram bio, or if you go straight to um, uh, Calendly, uh, I've got, it as one of the choices on my like where you can sign up to do things with me and that's wednesday 6 p.m uh pacific time and it's new moon in taurus and then um, mm-hmm. if you want mantra meditation um chanted for you yeah with you, that's jeremy on patreon yeah and i'm uh the the meditation that is going to be going up this week is literally going to be about building confidence okay. so yeah, it's 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 taken up space. That is what you want to yeah. do. So figure out how to like expand yourself a little bit so that you can feel confident in taking up space, having your voice be heard, and uh, being okay with the your presence. And then building on working with systems, learning the rules to break them, and also um, having a community that does that with you. Jeremy's building his own community, and then I'm doing a twenty-four week intensive. Um, on Patreon in a tradition I'm calling All Souls. And that name came to me in a really just beautiful, quick way, and it felt right. And um, that's what we're sticking with for now. But it will be a coven. And the goal is to initiate everyone in the coven equally so that they can move forward and either initiate people in their local cities um, and build local groups, but then continue to work online together or to just continue to study together and have a group of people that they know they can always connect to and rely on and eventually go visit because this is all happening over Zoom. So it'll be a coven that is meeting literally in between the world. <laughs> <That's cool. laughs> um, and we'll be doing a lot of work around what Jared and I have discussed Um, today as well as some of the other things we've discussed in the past but it's building a foundational magical practice for those who never had one and it's structuring and restructuring a magical practice for those who already have 
something in place, but who are maybe searching for something deeper than some of the traditions that um, we've mentioned in witchcraft provide, um, because it is going to have some mystery school aspects to it, which is really fun and exciting for me as a teacher to be able to share more than just on like a one-on-one client basis is which I usually do. So this is opening it up to people who maybe can't afford to yeah. work with me one-on-one, but who want the deep work. And um, if you do that one, then you get like all the other perks on the Patreon. So the tarot series that I've been doing and the mantras and um, the secret episodes of the podcast, all that good stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. I also want to give a, a shout out to my new Patreon subscribers, mm-hmm. Casey, uh, and uh, it's either Alice or Elise. I want to say it's probably Alice. Um, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And uh, new material is going to be going up. I know that um, I know that I'm excited to be producing <laughs> stuff. So hopefully you are going to enjoy the things that, that I'm going to be producing. And um, I, I've also had a couple of ideas that I think you and I will probably kick around. I don't necessarily want yeah. to drop them now, but like, Doing, you know, um, doing like group meals, like everybody cooks together. We all send out a recipe and kind of do that possibly as a, as a, uh, another thing to do as a group, I think would be great because you and I are both, we're all about that kitchen life. It's it's the earth parts of us. (laughs) My Taurus rising is so happy right now that the sun just shifted. I, I did so many Mm Taurus things today. It was great. Um, Okay. Enjoy some chocolate. I had do something, so you know, much chocolate. I had rub up against a soft blanket. Of cacao that were in a cup the size of a soup bowl. <laughs> like you had a I you had, had a goblet. I had two goblets or a, of cacao uh, today. Nice cacao with amazing cacao butter and cinnamon and vanilla powder and just all the yum yums. Um, do you still have your uh, pentagram I coffee do, mug that I gave you? I think of you every time I put oh, it in the cabinet. Um, oh, that's oh, something good. we should talk about too. After next week is um, tools and physical objects and imbuing them with power, uh, because physical yeah, and always, spiritual. It doesn't always come yeah, in but physical like, form uh, for beginners. For physical, super yeah, 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 I got beginners, you. Okay. It's really nice to have physical <laughs> objects, and like I'm speaking from experience where. It, once yeah. you've handled it enough physically, then then you move on to the energetics and then you get really fun tools that don't exist in this realm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that's, that's when it gets cool. Um, join the mystery school for that experience. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. And um, catch us. Jared and I are going to be doing Instagram Lives too, where we'll be um, doing a couple things that go with the podcast or go beyond the podcast and um, talking about the work we're doing. And also, if you join us on those Instagram lives, you can ask questions and you can request us to talk about things for the podcast, which is really fun for us to know what y'all want to hear and what you would find useful and helpful and like whatever burning questions are coming to mind as we're bringing up all of these fun esoteric ideas. Yeah, let's jo- let's get together. Let's do let's some magic get together. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are the only words I know. <laughs> I don't know the rest of the song, but I'm really good. At it. <laughs> it was good. That was great. All right. It's four, four, four. And uh, I love you. I'm glad we got to chat. We'll so do it fun. again soon. Okay. I. <laughs>